0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name is Adam.
1: My name is Jeremy.
0: And we are here to discuss. What is this? X Men 103, the February 1977 issue titled The Fall of the Tower.
1: And on the cover of this one, it's a particularly lame uh, image of Black Tom Cassidy and the Juggernaut inside of a castle turret uh, throwing stones and shooting storm while Banshee flies around and Nightcrawler crawls.
0: Yes, it's it's, Dave Cockrum is not known for his covers. Maybe (laughs) he is. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe he's known for his terrible covers. Maybe we're wrong. Anyway, that looks like Archie to me, flying (laughs) up on the side of the castle.
1: He's looking for Reggie. Stay away from Veronica. Ha, 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 ha. Archie humor. As we open up the comic book, we see that it is written by Chris Claremont and drawn by Dave Cockrum, inked by Sam Granger. John Costanza is providing the lettering, and I guess Andy Yakus is coloring mine. Who's coloring yours?
0: Janice Cohen.
1: Okay, and then Archie Goodwin is editing. And Once
0: again, Marv Wolfman is gone. We can no longer make Marv Wolfman jokes.
1: No, that's sad.
0: I wonder if Archie is a good win. Uh, yeah, it doesn't really work. No.
1: So they are still in the Cassidy Cassidy Keep, Cassidy Keep County, Mayo, Ireland. I guess is they haven't left. Let's put it that way. In
0: Cassidy Keep County, Mayo, Ireland.
1: Is In your uh, omnibus, is Nightcrawler's red portion of his costume got kind of a gradient color, or is it solid?
0: It's solid red.
1: Okay. In mine, it's got like a red to pink gradient, and I don't like it.
0: <laughs> There's some musculature.
1: There is some musculature in mine as well. Well, we discover that the little people are carrying Nightcrawler down a path.
0: Yes, these are the little people that were spying on Storm as she uh, bathed herself, well, with a storm.
1: Yes, Uh, two issues ago. We get a little bit of a um, uh, recollection of what has happened in which the Juggernaut and Black Tom handily took uh, down the X-Men while Storm looked on cowering.
0: Yes. And then Nightcrawler starts to wake up as though he's in the middle of a battle and he punches out a leprechaun who flies.
1: Watch out, he's free, laddie! Did they already mention that they're leprechauns?
0: Uh spoilers.
1: <laughs> oh, well, on the next page we find out that they are actually indeed leprechauns. Fantastiche! Yes. Yeah, leprechauns in the Marvel Universe. Hmm, I'm not sure how I feel about this. And... <laughs> The leprechauns in this issue are, are really just little people. They're not dwarfish, or—they're kind of elven, I suppose, but they're just, l- like, shrunken people.
0: They are very elvish.
1: Yeah. But, but there's—I mean, if you were to blow them up, like, by double, they would just be like another human with pointy ears.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, elvish has left the castle.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, little ears are pointed like mine. Am I dreaming? That's impossible. That would mean it's not, you know. Leprechauns, my (laughs) god. My friends will be so excited to... My friends! What's happened to them? So Nightcrawler finally realizes that he's been separated by his friends. From his friends, I should say.
0: He was knocked unconscious, so he, he probably is suffering a little bit of brain damage.
1: Eamon O'Donnell is also here. Apparently he is good friends of the Leprechauns. And uh, he says, calm down. Uh, The X-Men have been captured by Black Tom and the Juggernaut, but we might be able to save them. Oh, and by the way, they're threatening my family and the Leprechauns' families.
0: I I think his families are the Leprechauns' families.
1: You mean he's just a big Leprechaun?
0: Well, no, he doesn't. Re- he doesn't specifically say my family. He just says the families.
1: Oh, but in the, the last issue, the, the or Black Tom was like, "You'd better do what I tell you, otherwise I will hurt your family." Well, yeah, that's what he calls the leprechauns. Oh, Okay, they're my family. That's all I've got it, left of the it, old country.
0: This whole thing's a little weird.
1: Yeah. So we get another flashback of uh, about a month ago. Black Tom and the Juggernaut came to Cassidy Keep, tricked themselves inside, and I guess uh, captured and tied up leprechaun family people. Took them prisoner.
0: Right, and then we get a flashback within the flashback that uh, Eamon O'Donnell did not witness where uh, it would appear to be Eric the Red Uh, It makes a deal with Black Tom and Juggernaut. So I guess they're working for Eric the Red,
1: and not just for himself alone. Either he took orders from a, ta- either either he took orders from a tall man in red armor and a horned helmet. So, we don't know how Iman knows this, but somehow Iman knows this. And I guess
0: Black Tom or uh, Eric the Red must have showed up at the castle.
1: And uh, Nightcrawler's like a man with a Viking-sounding name. Actually, do they say Viking-sounding name in here somewhere? I tried to get a warning out to lawyer Flaherty, but he misunderstood, thinking that Black Tom was after the castle, never realizing that he wanted the castle. Uh, he just wanted Banshee's life. So uh, somehow Nightcrawler leaps to the conclusion that the tall man in red armor had a Viking-sounding name. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know who you mean, but first things first, we need to. Pl- this makes no sense. Like, are we missing a page?
0: Yeah, that I didn't notice that before. <laughs> I just I didn't go back.
1: I kind of buzzed so. through it the first time. Like, okay, somebody must have said Viking, but as I'm looking at it again, nowhere in here does anybody say uh, a man with a Viking name is giving the orders. That's terrible. And you know what? The classic X-Men tale won't clear it up. <laughs> just just putting it out there right now. But anyways, um, I guess the the leprechauns then go on to say, uh, "Before we make a plan to rescue your friends, we want to talk about how you're able to disappear." And, and right, <laughs> Night, Night, Nightcrawler's like, I, "I, don't, I can't disappear. What are you talking about?"
0: But he decides, "Well, as long as I'm here, I should probably check on that." So he sticks his hand into the shadows. And lo and behold,
1: it disappears. My hand, it it was invisible. Uh, the leprechaun also points out, he says, matter of fact, your face is always in shadow, which is an interesting fact. It's true. but
0: Right. And he says, well, I, I knew that. Yeah. But this invisible thing, I didn't know about that. And then he jumps into entirely into a shadow and all that is left is his eyes. And then the uh, Eman starts feeling him up. Yeah. I can feel you, though, so I guess you're still here. Lord, this is spooky. And the Nightcrawler says, a, a little lower. <laughs> yes. Yeah, right yes. there.
1: Right now, now, up, down.
0: Oh, no, that, that's my knee.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nope, nope, higher. There you go. Yeah, Nightcrawler, I don't know how I feel about this whole invisibility thing. I mean, I guess we know how Chris Claremont feels about it (laughs) much later in life, but we'll get to that later. Uh, But some, uh, I guess another leprechaun comes running down the uh, hallway and is like, Black Tom is going to torture the X-Men in the laboratory. Hurry! And Nightcrawler steps out of the shadows and turns visible, and the little leprechaun boy is like, Lordy and lady, preserve me.
0: I I got a little giggle out of that scene. It was kind of amusing.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. So they race down to the laboratory,
0: where they conveniently are. There is a grate looking down on it, where they they hide in some sort of uh, little little pathway.
1: Yeah, and so the X Men uh, we've got. Well, actually, the rest of the X Men: Banshee, Colossus, Wolverine, and Storm. Banshee's tied up uh with something over his mouth so that he can't scream. Wolverine's just shackled. he can't get his claws out uh Colossus is in some sort of magno beam where he's just kind of floating in the in mid and I'm not really sure what's going on with storm.
0: Storm is trapped in some sort of frankenstein con con I don't even know what I'm trying to say.
1: Contraption. Some sort of
0: Frankenstein thing. There's lightning bolts collecting on these little balls that are going all around her and some of them are tied directly to her head. It's yeah. weird.
1: It really makes no sense. I mean, I guess maybe this is like the anti-weather contraption or something. No idea. <laughs>
0: The anti-weather contraption, yes.
1: yes. (laughs) Uh, Black Tom is putting on a glove. um, and It's a neuronic tangler glove. And as soon as he gets it activated, they will begin uh, their work in earnest. So I guess um, Black Tom is a bit of an inventor or a thief? Hmm. (laughs) Not sure which. He's one of the characters that, like, really I've not paid much attention to in the Marvel universe. So, I can see why. Yeah, he's... Yeah, I don't. I don't really, honestly don't even know what his mutant power is, to be honest.
0: He wields a mighty stick.
1: It's essentially what it is, but... Um, anyways, Juggernaut's all like, we don't need that glove. If you want my stepfather's pupils hurt, Juggernaut has the power to do that and more...
0: No, Kane. This is one instance where brute force isn't the answer. We we want to we want to hurt them enough so that Charles Xavier comes out, but we don't want to we don't want to hurt them in the way that you'll hurt them because then they'll be
1: dead. Right, and so I guess w- <laughs> yeah, that's why he hangs out with Black Tom because Black Tom's the brains of the operation.
0: Oh, we'll find out why he hangs out with Black Tom later.
1: Well, that's true. But uh, Black Tom's plan here with the, uh, what was it called? The neuronic tangler is that it... (laughs) The moronic tangler. (laughs) We can go with that. The moronic (laughs) tangler device is that instead of causing physical damage to a body, what it does is it creates a never-ending agony in the mind. Uh, And so if Xavier senses that his pupils are in this much pain, he himself will show up and submit himself to be killed. Right. And so... So
0: it's the professor they want, says Nightcrawler, forming an idea. And then he says, well, I'm going to try something. If it doesn't work, send my body to Xavier's school for gifted youngsters. Not sure how you're going to get my body, but...
1: <laughs> These leprechauns Leprechauns are like, How? what? <laughs> what is a school? <laughs> I don't understand this whole leprechaun thing. Like, is there like a little leprechaun colony and school and society thing that that we're missing here? It
0: won't matter after this issue.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, anyways. Oh my gosh. Uh, here's actually. Well, a... first we
0: get a we get a bamf. We do. And Nightcrawler disappears.
1: Right. And uh here's a bit of dialogue that, that we'll will come back on uh in the classic section, but uh Juggernaut says, What's that hellish stink? Smells like fire and brimstone. Now what does fire and brimstone smell like? We know what fire smells like, but what does brimstone smell like?
0: The br- <laughs> <The> fire. What? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>
1: I don't know. It just seems like anytime they describe a Banshee or I mean a Nightcrawler's powers are always like in a puff of brimstone and fire and the and the stink to follow. How are we supposed to, as an audience, relate to that smell? Well, the, I don't. I've never thought about this before. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyways, uh, well, anyways, uh, Juggernaut turns around and says, "Tom, there he is, Xavier. He's here." And
0: and there he is. the The professor is in fact standing there uh, behind Juggernaut and and Black Tom. Mm-hmm. And, uh... and we we of course know what's going on, but but let's pretend like we don't. We... How did the professor get there?
1: Exactly. That's what Black Tom and Juggernaut both want to know. And what's also odd is that as Juggernaut attacks the professor, uh, the professor jumps out of his chair stands up, mocks the juggernaut and then starts doing acrobatic tricks all around the room.
0: Kane, something's wrong here. I thought you said Xavier was a cripple.
1: <laughs> it That's it- enough out of
0: use says Xavier and does a flying kick into Black Tom knocking him over.
1: A flying side kick no less. Yeah. I mean, it- and it- then
0: he dodges out of the way of
1: uh uh Black. Black Tom's what is a uh, laser stick? <laughs> I don't know what it is, but yeah, his his mutant stick. Like, um, it takes them a long time to figure out that something's wrong here. I mean, Black Tom does say he, oh, I thought he was a cripple, but it's not until the professor is sticking to the side of the wall, which uh, I think it's Juggernaut here, decides that, oh my gosh, that's not my yeah, stepbrother. It? It's 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 a lookalike, alike and it's got to be that blue-skinned freak.
0: And it takes them like four full pages to figure this out. This is a long fight.
1: It is. It really is. Uh, and then the room explodes in blue, which I don't...
0: Well, what happens is uh, the professor slash nightcrawler is clinging to a wall, which the juggernaut then destroys, which happens to be a wall that is like a, a wall of the outer side of the castle. Yeah. So he basically punches a hole into the wall. And that blue, I guess, is a representation of the light coming in, the sky.
1: It's got to be, because right after that, Storm says, By all the gods, I can see the sky. And it's at this point that she sure she snaps out of her claustrophobia and brings up a storm and, and uh, blows all of the shackles away from her. And also another bit of dialogue here. And all hell breaks loose. Lots of swearing in this issue.
0: Whoa.
1: I'm sure that that won't be fixed later on.
0: Storm is creating a hurricane.
1: <laughs> you got it, Rusky. And the big wind's taking us out of here.
0: Except for Banshee because, Banshee because uh, Juggernaut grabs him.
1: Storm, with no regard for her teammates, flies out and was like, I'm free. I guess she's flying uh, Colossus and Wolverine behind her. But even they're like, oh, drop us. This is crazy. And then she does. Yep. Not like, woof, woof. Uh, and then, oh, my ache. oh my aching back. I tell you, bub, that broad's gone flaky. I mean, look at her. Yeah, she's doing
0: like cartwheels in the air. It's <laughs> actually pretty funny.
1: Well, she's, she certainly has gone flaky. Colossus does <laughs> she's not. She's
0: very happy, Wolverine. But do not ever call her broad again, shorty.
1: (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Colossus is standing up for the old storm. Well, meanwhile, uh, in the wrecked laboratory, the leprechauns start coming out of the woodwork, Woodwork. I guess. (laughs) (laughs) These
0: are the leprechauns that were captured by Black Tom and uh, Juggernaut, I guess.
1: Yeah, sure, sure. Sure. And they have, these guys are actually wearing, like, little elf hats, and, and one guy's got, like, a little Peter Pan, uh, like, a top tunic thing. I don't know what you call that. I
0: noticed that. It's weird. It's like some of them dress normal, and some of them dress like little elves.
1: Yeah, like, these guys could be D&D characters, but the other guys are wearing sweaters and jeans. <laughs> <laughs> um, And, like, Black Tom and the Juggernaut, They don't even, I guess they don't see them, I suppose, is what's going on here. But, like, never in here do they actually ever acknowledge leprechauns.
0: I have a theory that the leprechauns aren't really real.
1: I hope not. (laughs) I hope this is some Shi'ar thing, or whatever that is. They're
0: They're (laughs) Doombots.
1: There you go. Little leprechaun Doombots. Well, well,
0: the both sides, the the leprechauns that are the families and the leprechauns that are loose, manage to find uh, Nightcrawler, who's been crushed by all of the the the, the, the smashed up walls that Juggernaut caused, mm-hmm. and they drag him to safety once again.
1: Meanwhile, uh, Wolverine and Colossus are trying to get uh, Wolverine's boots off of his his legs because he's still shackled in some boots. Uh, Come on, big fella.
0: Get these boots off me.
1: Yeah, and and Colossus, he he cannot do it. But that's when Storm comes in and says, let
0: me try. And they start laughing. You, Storm? Look, lady, if Colossus can't break him, what do you think you can
1: do? Click,
0: and, and uh, Wolverine's got a great little confused look on his face.
1: Girl, unlock boot? Make no <laughs> sense. Uh, Storm now reveals that in her time, she was the best lockpit in all Cairo. And as if Chris Claremont was reaching out from the page and talking to us, the reader, she says, but we'll talk of that later. <laughs> right now we have other things to do.
0: I don't like the phrase in my time. Isn't her time now?
1: Pretty much, but she's like 20 here, isn't she?
0: Yeah. So like, why did she just say, you know, in my youth, I learned to be, be I became the best block pick in Cairo and I
1: probably still am. No idea. It's just, it's just the way she is, I suppose. Well, anyways. In my Time. <laughs> Chris Claremont. <laughs> Worst writer ever. Seriously. How many more issues is he on this book? eh, Only a couple before they change up writers, I think. Can't be many more. I hope so. Well, Juggernaut and Black Tom carry Banshee up to one of the castle turrets. Uh, Juggernaut's wondering why they're bringing him up there, because he's kind of curious as to why they would actually throw him off the tower.
0: We get a great butt shot of Banshee.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Previously, there's oh, a there's a great butt shot of Black Tom, so it's the whole Cassidy butt clan.
0: <laughs> uh, why but, you bring him up here? Why you bring him up here, Tom? You planning to throw him off? If it comes to that, first we're going to try
1: talking. Yep, he yells, me, "X Men, we've got Banshee, and if you want him back, you'll have to come up and get him. You've got five minutes, and then we'll start sending him down to you." A piece at a time. <laughs> it's a trap, says Storm. <laughs> yes. Um, was this before Return of the Jedi? It must have been. Yeah. Well, this,
0: this was 77, so f- this is like before Star Wars. <laughs>
1: uh, another another instance where George Lucas is taking notes. I was like, I'm going to use that it's a trap line. Just, I don't know where, somewhere.
0: Said, no kidding, lady. But so long as they got Irish prisoner, they're holding all the aces.
1: And uh, Colossus shows some concern for Nightcrawler. We cannot just stand here and watch.
0: And Storm says, no, then we won't. I'm going to fly up to the thing because obviously that's, I'm, of course, she can fly. Sure, why why wouldn't she do that? Everybody should know that.
1: Wolverine's all like, you dumb broad, come back here. You go charging up there alone, you'll just get yourself killed.
0: Although to be fair, he would have done the same thing if he could fly.
1: True enough. And that's when Colossus picks Wolverine up and throws him up onto the castle wall and says
0: I told you never to call Stormy broad again, and I meant it. Happy landings, Tovarish.
1: <laughs> Tavarish. Tavarish. Which means Comrade. Tavarish. So when I was younger reading the X-Men, I always pronounced it as Torvich because I was dumb and I didn't see the A (laughs) between the R and the A, or the V and the R, Tavarish. Storm, we we flash up to uh, Storm who's being shot at now by energy blasters that are built into the castle's turrets. But uh, she points out that if it hadn't been for her hours at training in the danger room, these beams would burn her to a crisp. So who do you think put the energy blasters into the castle's turrets? Do you think that was Black Tom or do you think that was uh, Banshee?
0: Uh, That's a great question.
1: (laughs) One that I guess will go unanswered. Anyways,
0: we get a funny little uh, hey from Wolverine as he's being tossed.
1: Uh, And so as Storm is being shot by the energy blasters, uh, Juggernaut is ripping pieces of the castle up and throwing them down at Colossus.
0: Classic Mario versus Bowser strategy.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Although nobody's jumping on the ground, you know what I'm saying? Not yet. Not yet, though. That'll come later. Uh,
0: Colossus in this next panel smashes one of the rocks that Juggernaut throws at him with one hand, while clinging to the side of the wall or the other.
1: And it makes the sound I like, of... I like this panel. It's kind of neat. It makes the sound of kabrak. Kabrak. Peter's in trouble, says Storm, but she dare not stop until these blasters are silenced. So she's shooting the energy blasters with lightning from her hands. Does that make any sense? Which part? Uh, Storm shooting lightning from her hands.
0: She's, has she never done that before?
1: I don't know if she's not done that before, but as I think about it, I mean, she's got command of the weather, which means that she could conjure up a storm, and she could probably direct lightning from the sky at something. But well, used... maybe she's
0: using her body as a conduit for lightning. Oh, okay. Because it looks like her other hand is collecting lightning.
1: That could be. Okay. If that's the case, then then I like it. But it's not well illustrated here because most of her hand is covered by a thought bubble. (laughs) But uh, on the last panel of this page, the entire skyline erupts with lightning as the battle ensues. It's the worst Atlantic gale in living memory. It's a phrase that Chris Claremont likes a lot, living memory. He used it for the solar storm as well.
0: This is the worst solar storm in living memory.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. In issue, at one hundred or one hundred and one?
0: Wolverine appears on the other side of the wall. He he lands on the entire the other side of the castle, and he says, "Colossus, you stupid! You threw me so flaming hard, I landed on the wrong side of the flaming castle. You futzer!" <laughs>
1: Well, if it wasn't for that happy little mistake, then this little leprechaun couldn't reveal Wolverine's first name, as he says. I think I can help you, Mister Logan.
0: Oh, I didn't even notice that you didn't. No, because in the next panel, he says he he makes another funny face and he says, "Huh, who the blazes are you, bub? And how did you know my name?" And I just I didn't even bother going back a panel to see what the <laughs> leprechaun said. Did you think that the leprechaun I just assumed was like he said? The Wolverine or something.
1: That's funny. So there I you think I can help you here there, Mr. Wolverine. There you go. So the very first utterance of Wolverine's name is him being called Logan by a leprechaun.
0: Mr. Logan even.
1: Yeah. So is Logan his first name or his last name? Great question. <laughs> or is it
0: does it actually turn out to not be either?
1: That can't be that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> it couldn't be somebody else's name that he just adopted. That wouldn't make any sense. No well anyways uh but he so the guy uh, the leprechaun's name is Paderek, mate, and me little people know a lot of things.
0: And what then, did you just say Patterack? You're still doing weird things when you read
1: I said pad Pac pad Padrake, I don't know. it sounded P- like you said No. P-A-D-R-A-I-C. How do you pronounce that?
0: Oh, I don't know how to pronounce it, but I know (laughs) it's not pronounced -er Padarak.
1: I want to go with -er Padraic. Whatever. Anyways. uh, Padraic. Padraic. Sure. He runs away. (laughs) And that's the last we see of Padraic.
0: No way, bub. The Wolverine don't believe in leprechauns.
1: Suit yourself, maybe. Leprechauns don't believe in talking wolverines either. Now, are you coming with me or no? And off he goes. And I, I believe this is the last we see of the leprechauns. I think you're ever. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Uh and potentially even Wolverine. No, we see another flash of Wolverine later. Well, uh Kla- or I mean Juggernaut is still hurling rocks at Storm. Um they're...
0: and uh Black Tom appears to be controlling the lasers sort of although he says the battle con- the battle computers are con- beginning to compensate they'll soon have her pinned in the crossfire so it it's the the lasers are controlled by a computer that is calculating the best way to get a shot at storm
1: <laughs> i guess so it's a
0: learning computer
1: and so meanwhile while the last time we saw them they were holding banshee over the side of the turret to like drop him or start ripping pieces of him off now he's just tied up and pushed into a corner, and he's not even tied to anything.
0: It can't even be that great of a corner either, because, as we can see, there's a little pair of eyes behind him.
1: boy, I wonder if it's some invisible person who just discovered they had this new ability. It might be <laughs> i don't understand what well, I don't understand why. It seems to me that this power of invisibility was only designed for this moment in which he can invisibly show up, untie Banshee's arms, and loosen up the face thing, when he could have just teleported in.
0: Clearly, Chris Claremont was screwing around, you know, trying to figure some stuff out.
1: Experimenting, if you will. Yeah. Okay, it just... Uh, it's just weird. Like, I know what classic X-Men is doing with this power, but I'm really curious, like, in the next, I don't know, five to ten issues, if we see any more of this invisibility or if it r- literally just goes away. Mm, that's I, a good question. I, and I don't... I'm I,
0: curious I, to find out myself.
1: I do not know the answer. Well, Banshee frees himself, and now he's able to well, use... Well, Nightcrawler
0: frees Banshee, and well, then Banshee takes off the the the, the mouth covering. Mm-hmm.
1: And... uh even though Black Tom is immune to Sean's scream, the floor beneath the Juggernaut is not. And that's not to worry,
0: Nightcrawler. Juggernaut can't charge us if he's got no floor under him.
1: And this is where you get your Super Mario Bros. 3 Bowser falling through the floor. Mm-hmm. But uh, Juggernaut's all like, you're a fool if you think a fall can stop me.
0: And he crashes all the way down to the bottom of the castle where Colossus, Storm, and Wolverine all happen to have met each other somehow. And they they face off against Juggernaut.
1: Now, this is a tactic that I believe that they've used against the Blob. I don't know if they've ever used this against the Juggernaut before, but it it's not the last time that they used this tactic against either of those foes.
0: Well, the Blob and the Juggernaut have such similar powers. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so the X-Men come up and they're like, we're not going to get out of these stairs because Colossus and Wolverine, you owe us a rematch. Something like that. Juggernaut's like, why do you think it's going to be any different this time? And that's a good question. Well, this time they have Storm. Yeah, that's a good point.
0: And everybody seemed to believe that Storm would be the, the, the turn of the tide Yeah, in the last battle.
1: Meanwhile, uh, Banshee runs towards Black Tom, and Black Tom's like, Yep, that's it. Come on. Just a little bit closer, a little bit closer. And Banshee and does. Then he shouts, It's a trap! <laughs> Banshee does a front flip to avoid Black Tom's axe.
0: No, you don't, cousin. I may be old, but I'm not stupid.
1: He's, he's pretty acrobatic for what? An old retired cop.
0: And now I have a weapon of my own. And he grabs a sword, and now they are fighting not with their powers, but with a sword and an axe. And um, Black Tom is kind of, kind of winning. He manages to fend Black uh, uh, Banshee off towards the the side of the the, the tower. Mm-hmm. And uh, then suddenly, the somehow, Juggernaut made it up the stairs. <laughs> yep. And he's is fighting Colossus and Wolverine, and they bust on the scene, no sign of a storm at this point.
1: Or Nightcrawler.
0: What happened? Oh, yeah, Nightcrawler let Banshee... Where is... he? Just... Nightcrawler does not appear for... I guess he does appear in a couple panels, but, yeah, strange. Very strange. Black Tom takes advantage of uh, Banshee noticing the three of those uh, other people that I just mentioned busting into the area and smashes Banshee's sword and is about to kill Banshee uh, with his axe when Banshee, who is leaning against the side of the tower, half on and half off, does a backwards flip, lifting Black Tom up into the air with his, uh, with a kick of sorts, his his legs push Black Tom over the edge, knocking him into the water, uh, over the tower and down the side of the water, and I guess then Banshee flies away. It's hard to tell what Banshee's doing in this
1: next panel. Why, you madman, what are you doing? You'll send us both over the edge. No, Tom, I only wish it didn't have to end like this. Juggernaut freaks out. Tom!
0: And now he's fighting Nightcrawler, Wolverine, and Storm.
1: Yeah, so two of them have returned just to basically get knocked out of the way. And Juggernaut jumps off the castle turret into the water because Tom was his only friend, the only one he ever had. And so help me, X-Men, if you've killed him, I'll make you pay! So sad. Yeah. They must have really had a time in prison. (laughs) You know what I mean. Uh, Yeah, so he jumps into the water and... It's all stormy out, but Storm's like, okay, it's enough. Hear me, wind and waves. Be gone. Storm be gone. And now it's a nice, sunny day with some clouds and cheery. Presto. Out.
0: They search all that day, but no trace of their foes' bodies is ever found. For the moment, it seems the battle is over, and all is once more well in the world for the moment.
1: And then we see a man is back who looks very similar to Eric the Red talking to a strange dude with a mustache and a goatee and some sort of, I don't know, headpiece.
0: He's got three monitors. He's in the middle is the dude that you just described. Yep. On the left are the X-Men, so he's got a camera placed at Cassidy Keep. Sure. And on the right is Magneto.
1: <gasps> Magneto, but he's a baby! Well, it's
0: baby Magneto.
1: Oh, no, this looks like an adult Magneto. It, oh, you're right. It must be a wax statue. He kind of looks like, remember those muscle
0: action figures, the little pink guys?
1: <laughs> totally. He looks like one of them. Maybe he's like uh, like the X-Sentinels. were, or the X-Men? It's like the X-Sentinel Magneto, and so he's a yeah. robot Magneto. Or maybe it's one of the robots that Mesmero was following a while back. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyways, this guy in the middle monitor is like, I will brook no more failures. Is that understood? Princess Nirimani is due to reach Earth in a matter of weeks. Whatever happens after that, she must not contact the X-Men.
0: Eric the Red responds, She will not, my liege. You have my word on that. I now have an ally worthy of the name. The name Ally? Nice. <laughs> His name's Ally. <laughs> and he's X-Men's my X-Men's oldest, deadliest foe. Xavier and his students will be dead before they even realize they're under attack.
1: And uh, we could speculate about who that villain is, but right below that dialogue box, it says, Next issue, the gentleman's name is Magneto. Nuff Nuff said. said.
0: So I would like to point out that this issue was called The Fall of the Tower, but the tower never fell.
1: I would like to point out that this was a terrible, terrible issue. (laughs)
0: <laughs> there were some problems, I'll give you that.
1: Some problems? This whole issue is terrible, just awful. <laughs> Leprechauns. Uh, <laughs> that is that is a valid point. <laughs> well, uh, we did get some Facebook communiques.
0: Oh, damn. Oh,
1: yeah. We got a message from David Steele. He emailed us. He said that he really enjoyed our coverage of Issue 100 and looked forward to our discussion of Issue 101. And he says that he has had his copy of X-Men 101 since 1986 when he was 13 years old and founded a second-hand bookshop. Um, cool. That's very cool. I just wonder if he bought my copy.
0: <laughs> Where did you... Isn't he from Glasgow?
1: Oh, wait, mine, mine ended up on eBay, so it's probably not likely that he found it.
0: Well, actually, I, I suppose it could. Maybe somebody, the person who bought it, took a trip to Glasgow.
1: Yeah, well, he says that he bought it in 1986 when he was 13, and eBay wasn't around back then.
0: Oh, yes. Valid comment. He also sends us the, the image and also an image of uh, a similar issue. Uh, what was it? West Coast Avengers... Uh, number 71, which is a kind of a, a tribute to that cover featuring, I, I don't even know who this woman is, Pele, goddess of fire in the Phoenix pose, and Hawkeye as Cyclops, and I'm assuming that's Spider Woman as Storm, and Sunfire ooh, as a Nightcrawler, even though he's out of the water.
1: Yeah, and it looks like there's a Quinjet in the background. I'm not sure who Pele is, but... Given that it's a uh, uh, blonde woman erupting from the water, it kind of makes me think that it might be Carol Danvers, but I have no idea.
0: Well, um, it would have to be an yet another name for... I mean, Carol Danvers is Miss Marvel. She's, has she, I guess she's also been binary, right? Yeah, so, it, she's been a lot I of suppose. people.
1: As a matter of fact... Anything's possible. As a matter of fact, uh, in this very issue of the X-Men, there was a letter... Uh, in which they were talking about giving Marvel Girl her own uh, title, or her own book, I guess. And uh, one of the editorial notes talks about how there was a rumor that was circulating that um, Marvel Girl was going to become Ms. Marvel. But by the time the letter had writ been aired, we learned it was Carol Danvers.
0: We also learned that Chris Claremont is going to be writing Ms. Marvel as of issue three.
1: None of that did I know.
0: We also got a uh, thank you for the letter uh David Steele, whose name I'm always going to say the full name of and um we also got a letter from David Fiore, whose name I will also' is, this is like dave i'm gonna
1: we go got, with we got
0: several dave letters
1: i'm gonna go with Fiore how's that really yeah oh okay yeah.
0: i I agree with that but i can't i can't say fiore it, See, I, I just tried to say it, and I ended up <laughs> saying Fiore. So,
1: I have an interesting. I, I, before you read this letter, uh, I've talked about on this podcast the comic book shop that I kind of cut my teeth at. That was in a mall called the Fiore Mall, spelled exactly like David's name here. Hmm. And it was it wasn't like a mall mall. It was like a strip mall type thing where there was a whole bunch of shops on the front. But yeah, it was the Fiore Mall, and uh, so David Fiore says. He's been loving the show. It's unusual to hear silver and bronze focused podcasts from hosts who aren't familiar with every nook and cranny of the Marvel universe. Well, that's us. Uh, it's been pretty great to look at these issues through our re- respective eyes, even though he uh, disagrees quite strongly with some things, like the Locust issue. He loved. And...
0: I, I have to. I have to take uh, offense. I also loved the Locust issue.
1: Oh. I mean, it was fun to talk about, but I mean, as far as X-Men continuity, it was, t- it was garbage. It was terrible. <laughs> uh, yes,
0: it was. Well, and then he says comedy gold. So I think he agrees that it's fun to talk about.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, we had fun with that issue for sure. But I mean, as like a hardcore uh, X-Men snob, you know, that's not the comic you go to and be like, you know what changed everything? The locust. <laughs> <laughs> well, right.
0: But as I've constantly said, I like the fun issues. Okay. So there.
1: Uh, and then he says he's also a huge fan of Don Heck, uh, although more on the Avengers, Thor, and Iron Man. And I think maybe we did pick on Don Heck's artwork a little bit, but Heck yeah, <laughs> nice. But I think it was more just because he is very standard or very traditional of a of an artist. Does that make sense? I think it's what we discussed, anyways.
0: Yeah, I would I would say the same about Dave Cockrum, to be honest.
1: Well, I had. Really? You think so? I think Dave Cockrum... Hmm, how do you put this? I don't want to say he's better than Don Heck, but I think he takes... Just like Don Heck, I bet, um, brought comics to a uh, a new level, not by himself, but that style of artwork brought it to a new level. I think Dave Cockrum is taking it from that level and bringing it to another new level that paves the way for your John Burns and all oh, that. Oh, I would
0: absolutely agree yeah. with that. And I'm not saying that... I dislike Don Heck or Dave Cockrum. Actually, I, I like both of them, but I would say that none of their, uh, neither of their artwork is stand uh, standout for me.
1: Really? Yeah. Hmm. I think Dave Cockrum's, I mean, I think you can, if I were to take a Dave Cockrum uh, panel and put it next to anybody else's panel, uh, you would probably be able to say that's Dave Cockrum artwork. Whereas if I were to take a Don Heck and put it next to, uh, I don't know, somebody else that was drawing at that time, I think you might be hard-pressed to tell me which was which.
0: I would not be able to tell you for for either of them. Really? Un- unless it was the X-Men, and then I would know. Uh, I mean, because that era, I happen to know that that era of the X-Men was drawn by Dave Cockrum. Yeah, but he's got a if, if it was like a, his Avengers work, I would have no idea who it was.
1: Huh. Uh, that's an interesting. Somehow we have to be able to, somehow we need to figure out a way to quiz one another. Cause I feel like Dave Cockrum's got a distinct style about his artwork. And if he drew Hawkeye, I would be able to say, Oh, that's a Dave Cockrum Hawkeye.
0: Mm, Maybe I, not though. I, I, don't de- I definitely wouldn't, but I'm not saying that you wouldn't. I'm just saying that I wouldn't.
1: Yeah. Well, anyways, uh, he's, um, he, also- he wants
0: to know if we're planning to cover X factor in depth once we reach the the 1980s. He hopes so because he thinks those issues are fantastic, X-Factor 23 being his first superhero comic, and he gathers we share his enthusiasm for them. Uh, we definitely do share his enthusiasm for X-Factor, as as we have said, um, but we don't really know what we're going to do once we get there.
1: Yeah, that's a long ways off, so we prefer not to think about it. But yeah, I love those first, as I've said many a time, I think it's about the first 23, maybe 24 issues. As soon as they get to Fall of the Mutants, it all kind of falls apart for me.
0: I it I don't know. I, I think it fell apart for me once they, in that weird issue where they, when they go to the alien planet.
1: Oh, my God. I never even made it through that story. It was so bad. Yeah, it was pretty terrible. It was like a six-part. I think that's trip. where I dropped off. So that happened, I think, right after Inferno. And then I think they're kind of like, well... What do we do now? Right. <laughs> Let's send them into space. And and oh my god, six issues and it was so boring. Yeah. And I did. I really, really wanted to be like, I'm gonna read the whole run of X Factor, and that just I got stuck. <laughs> okay, well, anyways, uh, did we get anything else out of any mail? Any Oh
0: uh, yeah, we got another two more letters on Facebook. Okay. Uh we got a letter from Mary Ann Horton, who says she just Started listening to the podcast. Was listening to episode fourteen, and we—I guess we—way back when, we asked what Team Brigade was, mm-hmm. and that she says that it is Rick Jones's group that he formed with his ham with ham radio operators to monitor the location of the Hulk. In fact, it was this group that helped the Avengers form in their first issue. Yes, I didn't realize that the Teen Brigade was a fictional thing. For some reason, I thought it was real.
1: At the time we had read that issue, I think I also thought it was real. But somewhere in that time, I had actually read the first few issues of uh, Avengers. And maybe even some Hulk. I'm not really sure. But the Teen Brigade gets some love in those issues.
0: I did read the first issue of Avengers. But I completely forgot about Team Brigade at that <laughs> oh, okay. point. Okay.
1: Well, if anybody else is on the edge of the seat wondering, uh, uh, you know, what uh, what the team <laughs> I've
0: been is. waiting a long time. <laughs> there it is. We finally solved one of our uh, one of our greatest yeah. mysteries. Hooray! Just like Chris Claremont does.
1: Jack State also emailed, and he said, "Is it just me, or does the letter you read from the back of the latest issue sound racist? Send them back to their own countries." I can't imagine that. Really. They really enjoy Scott's whining more than the new characters. Oh, here's a new suggestion for the classic X-Men section. X-Men Extended Cut. That's a pretty good one. But yes, that letter sounded racist.
0: There's so many racist (laughs) things in X-Men, it's ridiculous.
1: Well, not so much in the title. Well, I guess maybe you're right. It's in the
0: letters, pages, in the stories.
1: (laughs) It was a different time, Adam. Oh, I know, I know. They didn't mean to be racist. They just were. No. <laughs> they just were. <laughs> <laughs> they just were. And speaking of letters from this issue, like I said, I mentioned the one. There was really nothing else that stood out. The rest of it was all just love for X Men One Hundred. It's true. So, with that all out of the way, I, th- I think we're actually still waiting for our thirty fifth iTunes uh, letter, which, or I mean, uh, rating.
0: We. Are I'm so disappointed in you guys.
1: So this actually might be our last episode until we actually get that. that third <laughs> We
0: should just refuse to do them.
1: There, there will be no more recordings until somebody just literally goes out there, creates a fake account, makes that 35th 5th, 5th rating. Seriously. Do you hear me, people? And with that, I think we can shift on over to the classic portion perhaps we'll call it x-men extended cut today
0: we're not going to call it craptacular uh retcon <laughs> or whatever we call it
1: uh the x-men extended craptacular cut we could call it that that might work <laughs> <laughs> um but but basically this is uh this is classic x-men number 11 uh, from what july 1987
0: I believe you are correct, yes.
1: And basically the cover of this comic book, it should be pointed out, it is not an Art Adams. It is uh, somebody else. It's uh, Bob Layton. And it is essentially the same cover as the original, just at a slightly different angle. Yep. Yeah. And that's all I got to say about that. It's not very good. One lame cover for another lame cover. But... As we open up the book, the inside uh, front piece, as it's called, uh, is much better, and this is uh, by Mike McNola.
0: Indeed, and it's the Hellboy artist.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a good one. It's basically Black Tom and Juggernaut in shadow, standing atop some rocks with bats flying behind them, and then the castle. Looking is at
0: Castle uh, Cassidy Keep off in the distance.
1: Yep. I wish the whole comic book would have been drawn by Mike Mignola to be honest. This is this is good artwork here.
0: He's not old enough.
1: Yeah, fine. Um, let's see here. Uh John Bolton will be assi- assisting us with the backing. Um I think Dave Cockrum does do all the uh, cr- crap filling stuff here,
0: which is not his best work. He, he seems to have lost I have trouble believing this is Dave Cockrum because I don't know maybe maybe the inker is different and that's maybe that's the problem. I don't know, it's it's it doesn't feel like the same artwork.
1: Well, it's done what, 10 15 years later, 10 years later. Yeah, but it's bad. It is bad. It's it's a very hack rush job. And okay, so this particular issue we might be doing some back and forth because it seemed like there was a lot of changes in this issue.
0: Well, We open with our first page, which is the leprechauns carrying away um, Nightcrawler, and uh, the leprechauns now are actually full-grown men. It's like they they wanted to get rid of—no, I'm just kidding.
1: (laughs) They're not leprechauns at all. They're real people. (laughs) No, no, that page is pretty much the same. Um But we cut to the next page
0: where they redraw, like in the previous comic, it was a one-page flashback to explain what had happened before. Oh, yeah. Well, now it becomes a full-page and a half flashback uh, describing the previous issue. Yeah. So basically, immediately we are like, oh, we're filling up space.
1: Yeah. And the reason that they do this is they cut everything that has to do with nightcrawler's invisibility out.
0: Right. So if you turn to the next page, page
1: 4 He where does, normally see, there would
0: be that scene of nightcrawler jumping into the shadow. We get uh we get on on page 5 a, a well again it's it's new art.
1: I'm not sure but, where it cuts because We get the Leprechauns Fantastiche, and then the backstory uh, about uh, the Juggernaut coming in and stealing the families, and then this man in a red armor and a red helmet, and then, um, well, Nightcrawler says it again. He says, a man with a Viking-sounding name must be Eric the Red, and nowhere, again, still, they didn't fix that.
0: Oh, you're right. They didn't.
1: <laughs> I took your word for it, Adam. I thought that they had fixed it, but they hadn't. No,
0: but they did change the dialogue because uh, he doesn't say Eric the Red bef- in the previous one.
1: He does not. So here
0: he specifies Eric the Red. This time he doesn't say it out loud. Right. Like in in the previous one, he was like, I'm mad with a Viking-sounding name. I think I might know who you mean. But
1: well, we'll talk and about here that he later. he
0: says Eric the Red again.
1: And you're right. So they cut out everything that has to do with his invisibility, uh, I believe this panel is all I believe all these panels are redrawn except for the bottom panel. Well, and the panel where they're staring through the grate as well is not redrawn. Uh but this is where they discover the X-Men being held in the laboratory. And that dialogue is pretty much the same. So yeah, the the reason they extended out that backstory was so they could get rid of the uh the invisibility thing. Which leads me to think that I don't think the invisibility ever comes back. I think they published the issue, and somebody's like leprechauns and invisibility. Chris, let's talk. I think you need <laughs> well, more oversight. Get,
0: they should have kept the invisibility, but got rid of gotten rid of the leprechauns. If they, had, if I had to choose,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would too. Uh, so pretty much all of this is the same, except that um, as Black Tom touches Storm with his moronic glove or neuronic, whatever it was. <laughs> Uh, Storm apparently at this time does call out to the hospital where a really awfully drawn professor screams out in agony.
0: My control over my mental power is a shadow of its normal self. Can't mute my rapport with the, the X-Men. Moira get Cyclops quickly. And he turns to look at Moira and on the next page we get another half page edition. We're on page seven now and Moira has appeared before uh, Professor X, but it's not Moira at all. It's that crazy bug-eyed person that he keeps hallucinating. Leave me alone, he says, and that person fades into Moira.
1: Yep. Uh, Once again,
0: the professor thinks he's going mad. Could I be? we yet another scene of the exact same thing happening.
1: Yeah. So the and then Nightcrawler realizes that it's the professor that gives him an idea, so he teleports in and the professor shows up and this time the juggernaut says, What's that stink? Smells like fire and brimstone, instead of what's that hellish smell?
0: Yeah. I didn't notice that.
1: I told you like those seventies comics were really hell and damn heavy. And as they got to the eighties, I think the comics code was like, Ooh, you no, you can't you can't drop that. You can't drop that language. And uh again when so there's that whole fight that happens and then the sky opens uh and storms like oh the sky and then she unleashes a storm and uh the the na- uh narration said something like um unleashing hell itself or something. Uh, this time that narration panel is gone. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So that's that's gone. Uh are there any other changes here?
0: Uh, there are. Um, we get a whole new page on page fourteen. Of oh yes yes, Black Tom now controls all the lasers. I could blast you with my own mutant power, which, but why exert myself when I have machines to do it for me? Um, so we get. We it, get a.
1: It's a, now another it, pointless
0: page of the lasers shooting at Storm.
1: Right. She says, energy blasters built into the castle's rooftops, just like she did in the original issue. But now it's a different angle, which gives uh, space. Well, for... no, because then
0: they eventually do cut to the same angle Yeah, but the next page.
1: There was a different angle where she says, energy blasters. Oh, I guess you're right. So now they just re- reworked her um, dialogue.
0: She thinks what we thought, which is, where did they come from? Banshee mentioned nothing of such weaponry. And their appearance and power is unlike any I have ever seen.
1: Yeah. Hmm,
0: I wonder who built these. Was it Banshee or Black Tom?
1: But if Black Tom wishes a test of strength and mistress of wind shall not be found wanting. That sounds sexy.
0: (laughs) As the battle begins, the sky is clear with hardly a cloud to mask the stars. That quickly changes. And then on the next page, we get what we got before, which is a few minutes ago, this had been a calm, clear night with hardly a cloud to mask the stars. They could have at least gotten rid of that word balloon. It's repetitive.
1: It is. And then we get the worst Atlantic gale in living memory. Um, So they went through all that trouble of making Nightcrawler not be able to be disappearing. But on the page where he frees Black Tom, he is disappearing.
0: Well, he's just in the shadows, so it's not such a big deal. Since since they haven't introduced the whole invisibility thing, it doesn't seem like a big deal could now be. that they've gotten rid of it. Sure. He's just in the shadows this time, and we only see his eyes. What's weird about this page is the scene where Wolverine disembowels the munchkin.
1: Yeah, I don't know why they added that in.
0: That seemed it's un- really gory.
1: Like, How dare you call me by my name? And he just guts him. <laughs> yeah
0: they also it's strange they also the leprechaun also says i think i can help you there mr howlett (laughs)
1: he's like what you're giving away way too much uh and so the comic book continues as normal and that's about it so i don't know my guess is that there is
0: there is one more change and i'm not sure if it was supposed to be on purpose or not but on the final page uh magneto on the screen is now you can't make out that it's magneto
1: At, this whole thing looks um recolored or something because i i had read the uh original scans earlier and uh all of the characters are you can make them out so maybe you're right i don't know a bit the x-men are all gray the guy that's talking about oh it says princess lilandra in this one not prin- oh weird not- i just yeah not Princess N- Nierandrundra or whatever it said. Rhino oh. namo Yeah, some other name that we hadn't heard before. So they retconned that. Uh, he's all yellow, and then, yeah, you're right, Magneto's just like a brown blob.
0: So I don't know if that's on purpose or not. Clearly Princess Lindra though, is.
1: Yeah, anyways.
0: And then we cut to our pointless story of the episode. This, this one... one's called Hope.
1: And this one is really pointless.
0: And it's so pointless that it doesn't even have an ending.
1: (laughs) I don't even, I mean, I don't even, do we
0: do this one? I mean. Well, we'll do it very quickly. We got a writer here named Phil, who's really depressed and very unhappy. And he feels like he creatively no longer is able to captivate himself. So he goes for, he's not creative. He goes for a walk he passes a sign that says woman killer escapes, which originally I first read as woman killer escapes. So I thought it was a female killer, (laughs) but no, it's, it's someone who kills women.
1: Uh, I think he's also got writer's block. Like I think he was a good writer, but he just can't do it for now or something. Right.
0: That's what I was trying to say, but I guess (laughs) I, I have word diarrhea (laughs) much like this guy.
1: So yeah, he's walking around and doing an awful lot of talking and, As we walk through the town, we find that he's actually in London. Uh, So that places him there by the GPO Tower. Tallest building in London. Tallest building in London. So he climbs up to the top because apparently it's vacant and uh, all the doors are unlocked. And he's able to make his way to the roof.
0: He seems to be searching for new experiences. never been arrested. New experience. Big deal. And he bumps into Storm, who...
1: Is flying recognizes around. him
0: who just started reading his books
1: yeah she's flying around london for some reason not really sure but uh she's like yeah uh i i read it i discovered your work uh as i I moved uh to well what did she say i only recently discovered your work i enjoy it very much i am happy to meet you and the guy's like let's stay strangers <laughs> i don't like you which is strange because she's flying <laughs> yeah
0: and he's very attracted to her. He he as he points out in his thought balloons or thought captions. Um, which are very Chris Claremonty writerly sort of silly things. They talk about him committing suicide and he's like, oh, I'm thinking about doing it, but I don't know. Yeah. And uh she takes him for a flight, flies him around, he gets very excited. They they have Intercourse? No, um, <laughs> that doesn't happen.
1: I wish it did. No, they just go on and on and on and on. And finally they land and um, Storm's like, so there you go. Just, did you find something that you, you wanted? And he's like, well, uh, I'm a writer. There is nothing else. Turn things around. If I snapped my fingers and took away your powers, how would you feel? Storm, why don't you Answer? And he turns around and he sees a a, a, a security guard who's wearing clothes that don't quite fit, who has just knocked Storm out.
0: And this is the notorious woman killer. Yep, he's found a woman to kill. Indeed, but um, the writer Phil decides, well, should I go save her? I don't know. I was going to kill myself anyway, and if I save her, she might keep me from killing myself. Oh what the heck? I'm going to go save her. It takes her a, it takes him a
1: long time to make this decision.
0: There's literally a page. Well, this guy is killing Storm and he's just like standing on the edge of the building just like I don't know what to do.
1: So he en- Man, I'm lame. Yeah, so he enters the room. He sees Storm laying on the ground. This guy is getting ready to punch her to death, I guess. Uh, and instead, he gets punched. Phil gets punched by the woman killer and he doesn't know how to fight, but this gives Storm enough time to wake up and gather as much of her senses as possible to zap her, him, rather.
0: She lightning blasts the guy and wind, winds him into a wall, and uh, the, Phil goes to tie him up and says, Are you okay? And she says, Yeah, and he's like, I'm still going to kill myself if I want to, but I'm not sure yet, and she says, I hope you don't. And that's where we leave the story. I might, but the end.
1: Maybe and maybe not. The choice is mine.
0: We get a nice quote from Storm. I actually I like this. She says, "Well, you live, you hope, and with hope, there are always possibilities." I like that.
1: Yeah.
0: And then he kills it by saying, "Maybe and maybe not. The choice is mine." And then the story ends. It doesn't even. There's not even a the end, because this story doesn't end.
1: I just don't understand why this story is here. I don't; It doesn't further Storm's character. I don't think this Phil guy ever comes back. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but I don't recall him as a character. It's just like the story makes no sense. I guess it's a lot like the um, Nightcrawler story when he was hanging out with that ghost kid, right?
0: Yeah, I think because Claremont's just got to fill some pages. And so he's practicing his craft. I I mean, this 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 very all the captions of this writer are very uh, kind of waxing,
1: poetic, poetic, whimsical and purple prose. I mean, it almost seems like maybe Chris Claremont was dealing with some demons of his own and he decided to do it through that little story. I don't know.
0: Yeah, this story is steeped in depression. It's very dark from the writer's perspective, which is interesting.
1: So there you have it. Um next
0: issue a fire in the night.
1: Hopefully that's a uh hopefully it's a Phoenix story. I, I honestly don't know. It's not. Oh. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> well, overall, I found this issue horrible. Uh both the uh original story and the retcon stuff, all of it just a complete disaster. How about you, well, Adam?
0: I would like to point out that this has been one of our best episodes yet. <laughs> no, I don't know.
1: <laughs> Episode-wise, uh, I it might
0: think be it was horrible. I, I thought it was, you know. You were worried that we weren't going to be able to make fun of Chris Claremont issues. Yeah. Remember back when we were in like the 40s, you were like, oh, I don't know what we're going to do when we get to those amazing Chris Claremont issues. And I was like, well,
1: they ain't all amazing. Yeah, this was definitely a non-amazing Chris Claremont story. Sorry, gotta say it. It was it had leprechauns. <laughs> I miss it. It did have leprechauns. And
0: if, I want to defend it, but then I just keep remembering that.
1: Yeah, if all it took was leprechauns to make a good story, then this would be one of the best. But unfortunately leprechauns ruin everything. <laughs>
0: no, I don't know. And these are dirty leprechauns. They watch stormed storm shower.
1: Look, if you were a leprechaun and, the leprechauns. and that was happening in your keep, wouldn't you? So my question is, does Sean Cassidy know that those leprechauns are there?
0: Or Yeah, I don't know.
1: Or are these like leprechaun squatters that are just like, ah, look, we found a castle. <laughs> Let's hide in the walls.
0: Leprechaun squatters?
1: Or is it just Iman that was like, oh... You guys can stay here, but just don't tell the master of the house. Just, just don't.
0: I don't think the leprechauns were real. I think, I think they were all chew- chewing on macaroon.
1: <laughs> so, okay, most of the stories up until now seem to kind of be intertwined and, and have kind of like a grand plan of sorts. Uh, do you think this was part of that grand plan, or do you think he was just like? I want to do three juggernaut issues. Uh,
0: I think he's getting the hang of being Chris Claremont. He's like throwing some things out there and then he's got to figure out how to wrap them up. And I think this was one of the weaker attempts to wrap it up. He even, he even retcons himself in this issue where he, he says, um, that, I, that Eamon tells Nightcrawler that he sent the, the lawyer out to tell the X Men about this whole Eric the Red thing, and the and the lawyer got confused and thought it was some sort of uh, 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 like real realty or uh, claim for the castle, mm. which is clearly him kind of changing the way that the story went.
1: So you think that this was just part of the experiment
0: I, th- I think he's he's learning his craft i mean i think he, d- he definitely likes uh setting up these these things um these storylines but he he hasn't gotten to the place where he get where we will eventually he gets good where he just stops closing the storylines so this was like this was like him attempting to close all the storylines and eventually he would forget to do that
1: oh huh. okay well i mean there's still a bunch of storylines open there's the there's the space person there's phoenix there's
0: oh yeah i'm not saying i'm not saying he's not still doing it he's still figuring it out i think he just before he moved on he felt like he had to close a bunch of stuff
1: Hmm. okay but what does that have to do with leprechauns
0: I don't, he just didn't have, he just didn't know how to close off the story that he started and somehow ended up with leprechauns and Nightcrawler turning invisible.
1: Maybe the backup story in Classic X Men was his own internal demons and depression about not knowing what to write at this juncture and the creation of leprechauns and him feeling so terrible about what an awful story he created that he literally did want to jump off of a building in London.
0: And Storm saved him.
1: Yeah, well you know, figuratively.
0: Maybe it was a storm.
1: (laughs) I don't know. Well, anyways, I think that about wraps it up for us. Um, Remember to visit us at www.facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast where you can go to xmenpodcast.com or you can go out to iTunes and type in Danger Room or X-Men. Well, Danger Room would probably work better and you will find our... Uh, links there, and you could leave us that that thirty fifth piece of um, uh, gold gold that we're looking for, and you can uh, follow us on Twitter. We are at Danger Room Go, and you could email us at red. Let's see, Danger Room at RedcatProductions dot com. Is that about summarize all of it,
0: or you can leave us a voicemail, right at five zero one Get X Men.
1: Yes, nobody's taken real advantage of that since our super-duper spectacular giant size special, but that's okay. We won't hold it against you.
0: And remember to vote for our retcon section title, um, although at this point we're just going with whatever. so
1: Yeah. So with all of that, uh, anything else you want to add to this one, Adam?
0: No, no,
1: no, no, no. Until next time, the Danger Room is closed. I want to know where to go, Mac. I want to go, give me the go. A leprechaun could be a crackhead. I got hold to the wrong store. I want to know where to go, Mac. I want to go, give me the go. I'm a little or over that tree. I want to go. You look like a leprechaun to me. Look up at the tree
0: like a leprechaun to me Could be a crackhead Whoa, say yeah. yeah Say yeah, yeah. say yeah, Whoa, say yeah. be a crackhead.